Church, let me hear you one time. Come on, y'all. Hey, listen, I am so thankful that you're here today. We are going to have a lot of fun today. I'm going to give you a lot of information, and hopefully, hopefully you'll learn something today, walk out of here and go, all right, I know what was going on. I know where we're going from here, and tonight will be a big deal. So we've already talked about it a lot, but five to six tonight, if you can come back, we would love it. Let us know that you would uh, be a part of the journey as we move forward. But we are in the old school series right now, all right? That's why we're throwing out all that old music, having a little fun. And I have to go to this little phrase right here. I am excited and I'm a little scared as we move forward in this message today, all right? What am I doing? Well, we're looking back a little bit, but we're also looking forward. And I could not help but think, because we're in the old school vibe, to go back to the 70s, are there any people in this room that happened to be a child of the 70s. Let me hear you. Where are you at? Come on. Okay. There's a few of you. I'm glad you're here because anybody younger than that, they're really not going to get it. But if you're a child of the 70s, when I talk about being excited, you know, and it's exciting and then a little scary, it reminded me of this as we celebrate old school. Watch. No kid living today has ever seen this activity in real life. Made from random scraps of splintered wood, nothing screams no fear Gen X quite like the homemade bike ramp. A fixture in every suburban neighborhood, dangerous on a level parents today can only imagine. Broken teeth, bloody lips, scars that have lasted a lifetime, all worth the price of admission. Every insane jump, crash landing or otherwise, had the potential to make you a legend. Boy, oh boy, did we love our homemade bike ramps. Where yeah, Where are my old people at? Come on, y'all. Anybody remember jumping a ramp back in the day, all right? This was part of our childhood. It was a ton of fun. And here's what I learned, all right? It's risky, but it is also a ton of fun. And many times it does cost you a little bit, all right? We're going to explain how that applies to where we are today. I'm going to go back to the beginning of the Simple Church. Risky, no doubt about it. There was only a handful of people 16 years ago that decided, hey, man, what if we do church a little bit different, and how can we make this happen? And we launched in a theater down the Louisiana Boardwalk, and it was about 200 people on the first Sunday, which was a lot. But there was only about 80 people that started the church, all right? So we kind of started expanding and expanding, and next thing you know, we were going, man, how are we going to make this work? What are we going to do? Because we, believe it or not, outgrew the theater that we were in. And I didn't know what I was going to do. I had no idea of how to solve the problem, what was going to happen. So I just walk out of the theater one day, and I'm like, man, all right, God, what do you want me to do? How am I going to make this happen? And I look up, and at the end of the boardwalk, there's a bar. Yeah, that's right, bar. And I'm like, maybe we could do services in a bar. Now, most people, they're tripping on that. They're like, do what? Well, here's a picture of our first birthday. This is old school in the bar. We had the video going behind while the band was playing. Here's a picture of the band that day. They were in there getting on the stage. And it was an active bar at the time. It was not a closed down bar. It was serving, man. It was happening. And this is my little statement. If you want to get Christians, Christians talking, do church in a bar. All right? I'm going to just tell you. Because everybody's like, you can't be serious. Y'all aren't really doing this. And if you really want to get them talking, baptize in a bar. Can I get an amen on them? Because they were like, How, what, what's happening? Well, the real story is when I went down there not knowing where I was going to go and what was going to happen, I go down, I knock on the door of this bar. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, the guy comes to the door. I'm like, man, I don't know if you know me or not. You know, we're having church down here. And he's like, no, I ain't heard anything about it. And I'm like, well... 
we ran out of space and kind of a crazy story, would there be any way that we could rent your bar on a Sunday morning so that we can continue having services? That service started at 1230, by the way. We, we didn't start it like early. It was like all the other services were done. Then we'd start one at 1230 just to make room for people. And they're like, oh, you know, okay. So we go down and the guy's going, do what? You know, he was confused. I said, man, there's a church. We're out of space. Can we meet in this bar? Well, next thing I know, he turns around and walks off. I'm like, I guess that's a no. You know, I didn't know what was going on. Well, to my surprise, he comes back pretty quickly because I'm walking away, don't know what's going on. He goes, hey, man. He goes, "Uh, here's the key. I said, "Uh, do what? He goes, this is the key to the bar. I was like, well, what do you mean? He was like, dude, if you're crazy enough to ask me to have church in the bar, I'm crazy enough to give you the key. (laughs) That's the truth. And that's how it started. And I was like, now, if you grew up in church, every time you asked to do anything in the church, like somebody need to borrow this room or that room, it was always no. Can I get an amen on that? It's like, no, nah, we can't mess up the carpet. We can't do this. Here's this guy, doesn't know me from anybody, just hears the church, you know, is looking for space and goes, hey, you can have it. Then I'm like, hey, bro, no, let me rent it from you. And he's like, no, you're not going to rent it from me. I'm not going to take money from the church. I'm like, dude, we have to rent it. We're not going to be takers. Let us be givers. Let's find somebody to do it. And he's like, man, I'm just telling you, you're not going to do it. You might as well just have everything that I have is yours, all right? And I was thinking, tequila. No, I'm just kidding. I was like, I was like, what do you mean everything? He's like, no, seriously, whatever is mine is yours. He goes, as a matter of fact, we were arguing back and forth. And he said, if you want to pay me something, I'm going to take that money and I am going to clean the bar with it. That's how this is going to work. And I was like, are you serious? He's like, dude, that's the only way I'll do it. I'm like, whatever. And he goes, oh, and you can have everything. Well, they had a big cooler for all their beer. I mean, it was a, you know, whole thing. And I was thinking, man, this is going to be perfect. If we're going to expand the church, this is going to be our new logo right here. It's going to be donuts and beer for everybody. (laughs) I'm just joking. But here was the problem. Everybody in the community was like, you guys are crazy. You have launched a church in a theater, which was unconventional at the time. Now you've expanded into a bar. And they still have alcohol everywhere. It was still open as a bar. But we didn't want them to take all that down. We're like, look, we're only using it for, you know, an hour or so. Then we're going to be out of there. But what was crazy is it goes back to that jump on that bike. It was risky. It was exciting. It was scary. All of those things in that moment. And as I kind of joke about this, there were probably some people coming down there going, man, this is my kind of church. They were hoping they would find that. And we were like, no, man, it's still soft drinks. And all these years later, we're still handing out donuts and soft drinks. And there's so many memories associated with that time. There's so many stories that are stuck in our mind that we'll never erase. I'll give you one more. We also decided to do a Super Bowl party. You know the Super Bowl is always in February, okay? So we went back down to the bar. We were going to have a Super Bowl party in the bar. And we're setting everything up, and it's at night, and we're getting everything ready. And uh, 98 Rocks, we love 98 Rocks. They're downstairs having another party because there was like the Funny Bone, the Encore Nightclub, and like Kingpins, I think was the name of the uh, bowling alley. All of that was going on right there. Well, we're setting everything up, we're getting everything done, and all of a sudden, me and a guy by the name of Teague, long-time summer church guy, still here to the day, we're up there pulling signs up and getting them right. He's a single guy, got to go ahead and say that, and we look down, and down the long stairwell comes this attractive lady in a bikini, and Teague goes, hallelujah, brother. I love Simple Church. And I'm like, is she in a bikini? In my mind, I'm like going, why is this lady coming to our party in a bikini? You know, she's smiling. She's coming up the stairs or whatever. It's cold, y'all. It's February. And I'm like, I don't have any idea. I am confused. Teague is in worship mode. He's like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 
she finally gets up to the top, and I'm like, hey, what's going on? She's like, hey, is this where the Super Bowl party is? I said, yeah, I think, you know. I didn't know what to do, and Teague's like, yes, ma'am, let me get that door for you. Come on in, you know. And she was like, well, is this the 98 Rocks party right then? Teague's like, ah, I can lie, or I can tell the truth. I'm like, he goes, no, I think they're downstairs. And she's like, oh, okay, well, thank you all for being so kind. And she turned around. She goes, I'm going to the party. I guess they had a contest, so she's going back down, and Teague is like, I think I'm going downstairs. I just joined 98 Rocks. You know what I'm saying? He's headed down the stairs. And I'm laughing, thinking to myself, who in their right mind could tell a story about launching a church with a beer cooler and a bikini and baptism and church? The simple church can. And you're thinking, how does all this apply? Well, this is how it applies. They're all great memories, but none of it was easy. Everything that we were doing was complicated. It took a lot of work. It took a lot of effort. It took a lot of challenge. There was a lot of fun. There's a lot of memorable events, but it wasn't easy, including this fat preacher right here. When I would get done with the service at the boardwalk theater, I would have to run to the other end of the boardwalk to start the service for, at the bar. Not only that, we had to, when the elevator broke, we'd have to take all of equipment and we'd have to carry it up these stairs. It was like a workout program. You had to run, you had to carry all this stuff up. But the biggest memory of not easy was there was a comedian by the name of Gallagher. I don't know if you remember this guy. He smashed everything, watermelons, I mean, just anything. That's part of his gig. Well, he was at the bar slash Funny Bone restaurant in an event the night before church. And when I got there at like 7 in the morning to set up the bar, because while they were setting the theater, another team of us, Brandon McComick and a bunch of us, would set up the bar. I walk in there, and it looks like a watermelon has exploded over everything. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning. Church starts at noon. What are we going to do while these other services are going on? And I literally picked up the phone, and there's some of these people in this room that made that happen. And I called and said, hey, y'all, we need every available person to come help us clean. They brought their cleaning supplies from home, showed up, and cleaned that bar and had it ready at noon. Can I get a little love for them all these years later? crazy. Now you go, well, why would you tell that story? Why would that be important? Well, here's the phrase that we launched back then. Simple ain't easy. Horrible English, but very, very true. We would say it all the time. If you're setting up, if you're tearing down, simple ain't easy. You know, if you're trying to deal with situations that are unusual, bikini, you know, you're right. Simple ain't easy. All of these challenging circumstances and situations, outgrowing space, reaching people that typically didn't come to church, you know what I'm saying? All of these different challenges would keep driving us back to, man, it's just not easy. Simple ain't easy. So people say, well, why did you do it then? Why do we keep fighting for it? Why do we keep pushing for it? Well, here is the reason. Matthew 9, 12. Jesus said to them, all of the skeptics, all of the religious people, all of the people that complain about church in a bar or bikinis or whatever else, it's the sick people who need a doctor, not those who are healthy. See, this was the whole premise of why we launched the Simple Church 16 years ago. There's a lot of great churches in the area. There's a lot of great churches across America. But our, what our hope was is that we would create a place that anybody and everybody could come. It didn't matter what your background was. It didn't matter what you looked like. It didn't matter what you wore. We just said, come on in, man. And now, 16 years later, jeans and t-shirts kind of common. But back then... Everybody's like, you mean you wear shorts? You mean we're going to a bar? You mean you're wearing, yeah, dude, we don't care. Just come on. Why? 
Because we're not trying to reach healthy people that have it all together and are judgmental and pointing the finger. We're trying to get the person that's like, man, I don't even know if this thing is real. I don't know if it's for me or not. And we realized early on, this really is and still is the key. The simple church will always be about people. It's just the bottom line. When you go like, well, what's it really all about? It really is about the people. And you go, well, where did you get that from? Well, Matthew 22 tells us. You'll see the scripture that a lot of people talk about, but it really is our foundation for who we are as a church. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That's the first and the greatest commandment. But what most people miss is this line. The second is equally important. Now, this is a tripped out concept for most people. Oh, it's all about God. Why we do this is for God and we're worshiping God. True. But Jesus was challenging the thought process 2,000 years ago and is still challenging it today, reminding us all it is equal. It is equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the person that don't look like you. That's the person that don't act like you. That's the person that don't dress like you. It's the person that's the outsider. He's like, hey, listen, you got to love God. But if you love God, on equal ground is the fact that I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And remember, one guy was like, well, who's my neighbor? And then he told the whole story of the most outcast, the most unpredictable person. We can talk about that later, but Good Samaritan, remember that. And here's the whole thing. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus was always stirring the pot with the religious people. Because church people and religious people are kind of like Old Testament people in this regard. It's vertical. Man, I come to church because I'm going to worship God. And how come we're not singing 40 minutes of songs about worshiping God? And I got to worship and work. And it's all vertical. Jesus came in and said, that is important. But equally important is what you do on the horizontal. It's not just about vertical. It's about the way you treat someone. And when you talk about the great commandments, they're equal you don't say, well, it's loving God and loving people. It's like, no, it's loving God and loving people. Now, if you don't believe this, this kind of mind-blowing to you, Jesus really took it to the next level when you look in Matthew 22 when he says this. You ready? If you enter a place of worship, so it's like, hey, man, you're going to church, right? Man, I got to go to work. I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing. I'm getting into it. And about to make an offering. Now, for a Jewish person, this was very complicated. You had sacrifices. You had all these things you had to do to go into worship and to be a part of it. It wasn't like here, you just come in, eat a donut, and drink. It was like, no, you had to go through a bunch of different rituals to get there. And you had to make these offerings and these sacrifices. And he said, hey, if you've gone through all this, it took about three days to get to the church. You had to get your sacrifices ready. All this complication stuff. And then suddenly you remember you have a grudge against a friend abandon your offering what you mean that's three days journey that's all this pre preparation i'm trying to get right with god and you're telling me if i remember me and my friend are having a problem me and my wife are having a problem you want me to just quit all that and look what it says leave immediately go to this friend and make things right and then and only then come back and work things out with god this was jesus stirring the pot like you can't even imagine they were going, no, it's all about me and my relationship with God. He's like, no, it is about the way you treat people around you. They are equally important. And if you think you can worship God and judge somebody else or be ugly to somebody else, or even in your own family, 
have a problem with somebody else and you think you're just going to come in and worship and although that's still just stirred up in you, he's like, no, you can't do it. And in case you still don't believe me, when you tell you people are important, Jesus' words, John 15. This is my command, not a suggestion. This is like, hey, this is it. Love each other as I loved you. Well, how did Jesus love us? Sacrificially, willing to lay it all out for us. The greatest love a person can show is to die for his God. No. To die for his friends. See, this is what's tripped out. We always go, it's vertical, it's vertical. And Jesus kept driving it home. Old Testament, yes. New Testament, it is horizontal. It is about friendships. It is about relationships with people. And you can't say you love God and be mad at somebody else. This is why he challenged, remember, love your enemies? They were like, this dude's nuts. How are you going to love your enemies? He's like, hey, listen, if you can't love your enemies, you can't love God. This one was, it was the Good Samaritan story where it's all about who's the hero of the story. It's the outcast. It's the half-breed. It's the race you don't like. Whatever race that is. It's the person, oh, they can't be the hero of the story. Or that group of people can't be a hero. And Jesus would do it because he's going, no, listen to me. It's about loving people, all people. So why did I take the time today to go back old school and tell you kind of how it started and what it's all about? It's because when you're going into where we're going tonight and today, you might get confused, and I don't want you to be confused, because people are still that priority, not buildings. See, what made Simple Church unique and special We'd move from theater to bar to shed to convention center to arena. We just moved around. It didn't matter to us. And just because we're trying to relocate, everybody's like, oh, see, there they go. No, don't get confused. Our bottom line is still the bottom line. We want to love God? Absolutely. We want to love people? New Testament? Absolutely. And we don't want you to get confused and mess anything up. We are trying to solve some of our problems because we got some. I'll talk to you about it tonight. But here's the real thing I want you to walk away with. Buildings are instruments to be used to help people, not monuments to be worshipped by people. Now, why would I say that? Because, dude, I'm from here. I grew up in church. They'd go into building campaigns and they'd go into all this other stuff. and They'd take up all your time and, oh, we got it. This is that blah, 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 blah. In this little statement right here, you have to understand this. We have to grab our heads and wrap our heads around it. We have to kind of, all right, this is it. I understand. Because what's confusing in our world is you have places like this over in Europe. And people go in, they line up to go see the Sistine Chapel. Oh, my God, look at that beautiful artwork. Then they go over to other places like this is in Spain and they'll look at this architecture and go, oh my God, it looks like a sun castle. Oh my God, it's so beautiful. People line up and they go look at these museums, these many times empty buildings. And they forget that it's really not about the building. It's not about who painted it. It's not about who built it. It's not about just, oh, this is a nice building. It's really about the people. See, old school Old Testament was all about the building. Now, if you grew up in church and you don't really understand all this, I'm going to give you a little video. And the reason I give you this video is because it gives you a little bit of a foundation. When I keep saying old school or Old Testament, it explains worship from the Old Testament perspective. 
what you had to do, how this had to work, and what you had to walk through. And then you also, it will transition into where we are today in the New Testament, from the old school to the new school. Watch. In the Old Covenant, the temple was a physical building. It was a holy place, the dwelling place for God on earth. In the temple, people could worship God, and God could speak to them. Because God is holy and good and pure, everything that entered the temple also had to be clean and pure. Now in the New Covenant, instead of having a physical building as a temple, the Holy Spirit dwells in us people, that is, in Jesus' disciples. When we repent and are cleansed from our sins and start living for God, following Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to us. From then on, it becomes like it says in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? In this verse, we're told that we are now the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit here on earth. That means that we have become that holy place. Now here's what's tripped out. If you didn't grow up in church, you're like, now wait a second, Josh, what are you saying? Got to get it in your mind. This is why we still struggle with it in the world we're in today. Old school was like it was about, I go to church to meet God. I go to church to bring my offerings or my sacrifice or my worship. And they didn't believe that outside of that, that happened. It was kind of like, hey, we go there, we've done that, and it's done. And in many ways, kind of still some people's mindset today. Where when you get to the New Testament, the New School, it's like, no, man, everywhere that you go, God's with you. Everything that you do, God is with you. Why? Because he lives inside of us. And this is another, I took this as a little screenshot for you. You should know that your body is a temple because when you saw the scripture, it was kind of blurred out. But I wanted you to see it. But now underline that the Holy Spirit you receive from the Holy Spirit, you don't own yourselves. It goes on. Temple is God's house. It is that the believers are the spiritual temple where God lives. If you're to kind of look into that, it's saying, hey, when you ask Christ to come in your life, if you're trying to honor him, you say, Jesus, I need you, change me. Then it literally means we are the church and we use buildings. This is why you kind of get this as foundational, but you have to understand this is why when I challenge you, hey, when you walk out of here, when the doors are open, you're not leaving church. You are the church. You're not looking, well, the church is going to be in this building or that building. It has nothing to do with buildings. And why do I say that? Man, we've been in homes, restaurants, arenas, convention centers, theaters, sheds. I put all these pictures on here. We've been in all these places. That did not make the church. It's just where we chose to gather. In the same way, you are the church, whether you're in whatever event venue we're in. Now, there's some old school irony because even in the Old Testament, while they're trying to figure out this whole temple situation, Solomon, the wise man, he comes back and brings in some pretty good truth here. No one can really build a house to put our God in. This is why this is also important. The whole sky and the highest heavens can't contain our God. So I cannot build a temple to put him in. He continues, this is another uh, you know, take on it, 1 Kings chapter 8. But God, will you really live where you, with us on earth? The whole sky and the highest heaven can't contain you. Certainly, this temple I build cannot contain you either. Now, why do I say all this? Because it's not about building a place that when this is where God's going to reside and this is where it's going to be special. No, I've already told you, we baptized in a bar. We've baptized in Splash Kingdom. We've baptized in uh, the scuba place over in Bozier. We, it, it, we can be anywhere. 
Old school was temple. This is it. You got to be in this place. New school is God's kingdom is expansive. And it involves you. And we have a role to play in that. Because he lives in us and moves in us. And we have a chance to invite and love and help and encourage and solve problems. Because how do you let the world know that you love God and that you love them is by meeting a need. And sometimes it's a small thing. It's not some huge thing. It's just it's a simple way, man. Hey, I'm here for you. And when you look at God's kingdom, so many times you think of, man, what's it like? Even Luke 13, God said, you know, Jesus came and said, hey, what's God's kingdom like? What can I compare it to? Most people are thinking, oh, it's going to be some huge thing. God's kingdom is going to be huge. It's going to be big. No, and he comes back like, no, man, it's like a seed, like the mustard seed. Now, if you've never seen a mustard seed, I'll put it on the screen for you because look how little it is. I mean, it is teensy tiny. And why in the world would Jesus say, man, it's like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is so small. Well, here's another reference. Luke 13, someone plants the seed in their garden. The seed grows and becomes a tree. And the birds build their nest on its branches. Jesus was using illustrations they understood because when they walked around, they saw mustard trees like this. And what he was trying to explain to them is God's kingdom, it may start small, it may feel insignificant in your little world or in this moment, but it expands and it grows to meet needs. Well, how do you know that, Justin? Well, look at Luke 13. Jesus said again, what can I compare God's kingdom with? It's like yeast. When you're fixing bread, when you're making bread, a woman mixes it in the bowl and then the flour begins to rise. What was he trying to say? He was going, just as this yeast goes into this beautiful creation. I love bread. Anybody love bread? I love it. When you get in there, he's like, man, it's going to cause everything to rise. And then, just like then, maybe some of you people that are a little bit older than me, because my family never made bread, they would just talk about how you can put a little yeast in, you make that dough, and you can keep expanding it and expanding it and meeting needs and feeding people. And as that dough rises, it serves the purpose of meeting needs of the hungry. And Jesus is going, this is what I'm looking for. I want to remind you that you're a part of the kingdom. You may feel small. You may feel insignificant. You may feel like it's not going to make a difference, but you can impact the world. So I wrote this down. It starts small, but it has a chance to make a big impact to meet needs, just like the mustard seed and just like the yeast. I go back to the early days of Simple Church. Here's a picture from the very first service. It's about 200 people in the room. If you'd have told me back then that small beginning from 80 to 200, we were like, man, this is crazy. This is awesome. If you'd have told me that it was going to grow to thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I'd have never believed it. If you'd have told me we were going to fill arenas and we would not just do one service, we'd do multiple services. Well, be honest with you, nobody would have believed it because it would just seem like that's impossible. How's that really going to happen? And then don't forget no one thought of the online audience. We got all these people watching online today from all over. When we started with that small group, we didn't think, oh, man, we're going to reach the world. We're going to reach the states. But the truth is now 44 different states watch the Simple Church service at some point or another. And if you think that's something, you talk about, remember, starting small and expanding, 111 different countries in the world have watched the Simple Church. Just kind of go there with me for a minute dude it took me 10 years to get out of college y'all y'all know what I'm saying I grew up in South Shreveport I'm not 
I'm not in here wearing a suit. I'm not behind some pulpit telling you, well, this is how we're done. I mean, dude, this is us. This is like, here we are. And God's going, no, I'm going to spread this across the world. I'm like, some of you skeptics are going, yeah, man. I mean, they may have clicked on it, but did they really watch it? Well, here, I'm going to trip you out. I'm going to trip you out because these are the videos we get from people around the world. And I'm like, what? Here's a beautiful young lady from Ghana, Africa. This is true. Legit. Sends us this video. Watch. Hello. Good morning, Simple Church. My name is Aurelia and I live in Accra, Ghana. I have been worshipping with you virtually for the past one year and few months now on Facebook. God bless you so much for blessing humanity god bless you for your philanthropic work that you do god bless you so much i have been blessed and i've learned a lot i'm still learning and then i know other people are also blessed and they are learning from your work that you do god bless you i hope to worship with you physically someday god bless you so much bye-bye come on y'all give her a little love good morning from africa a kid from the hood in South Shreveport, somebody's tuning in and watching in Africa. If you watched the pre-show last week, we had somebody from Australia. And I'm like going, oh my gosh, Lord. And you don't think you can be used. You don't, you're just going, yeah, man, that's you, Justin. But I'll, I'm just trying to tell you, I was you, I am you. And the way God works now, it's not about buildings. It's about people. And when people come in and say, hey, God, here's what I have. I don't have much, but I'm going to keep it real. Who I am is who I am, and what it is is what it is. And I'm going to do my best to point to you and show people you and try to get them out of religion and try to get them into relationship. And when we get in this relationship, it has the power to change not only us, but change the world. That's what they believed back then, and that's what I still believe to this day. That's what Jesus calls us to. And I'm thankful you're watching online. I'm thankful you're in the room. But let me tell you what I'm really thankful for is there's way more than just watching. It's doing good. See, it's one thing when you grew up in the back of the day, it's like, well, I went to church today. Check that box. Good. Man, I don't. Okay, cool. Congratulations. Old school. Old Testament. It's really got to move from just I attend, I kind of come and I hang out and I watch to, no, I'm going to follow. I'm going to do it. How do I know this? James told us this. Don't just listen to God's word. You got to do what it says. And so what I love about the simple church and what we've pushed you to from the very beginning is don't just come in here and go, oh, that's cool. No, you have a role to play. And when we all do this together, we can solve problems. The whole doing good side of things is when we are solving problems in the name of Jesus. And it's been pretty fun and pretty life-changing for a lot of people. So Caleb helped me put together just a little video, just about a minute or so, of just some of the good that we've done over the last 16 years. How can I wrap it all? I can't. I'm just giving you a glimpse of why I'm so thankful for you, who don't just sit there and listen and go, okay, that was good. When I ask you to, you go do it. And it's been awesome. Watch. Hands up to the ceiling. Dance off for no reason. It's just what we believe in. Yeah, bring the beat in.
I'll give yourselves a round of applause. Think about it. Helping people overcome childhood cancer, feeding people around the world, feeding people in our local schools, giving people shoes in our local schools, bikes for teachers to encourage their kids to help them get better grades, toys for kids in the middle of some of the most difficult times in the past few years, going to the hospitals when COVID was going on and loving on nurses and doctors. Think about it. You didn't just go, oh, that's okay, cool. I'm no, you're doing it. You're packing food packages for kids in our local schools that are hungry. You're solving problems. You're doing it. That is the church. That is why it matters that you're here. And guess what? All of that is beyond the building. It is literally God walking through our community and changing the world that we live in. Let me give you some tripped out trivia. You ready for this? The very first Simple Church logo, 16 years ago, that's what we started with. The idea, the concept was simple. A little small act could possibly echo throughout eternity. That the decisions that we would make would have a lasting impact. We updated the logo to a new logo. You'll see it looks like this. And now, instead of those four squares, it's one square with still the same concept. When you see that little box right there. It is a reminder that that love should change the world. It should continue to move. When you're loving God, when you're loving people, when you're solving problems, it is action and it has a lasting effect. The impact could go on forever. And I'm going to be honest with you. I had no idea when I was sitting in my office and they were showing me all these logos. We'd order them from a company out in California. I'm like, hey, man, it's a simple church. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? They had like trees and leaves. I'm like, not that kind of simple. They're like, well, what are you thinking? I'm like, well, technology, one, not even understanding how big online would be. We were thinking more like, you know, we're going to do it differently. We're going to use technology. We're going to use videos and all the stuff that's going to be. I'm thinking like futuristic, like it's going to. So they send this to me. They're like, well, here's the concept, the idea. And I was like, okay, cool. That's very good. But I would have never believed that the impact would be so big that it really would echo. And this is what I have come to realize. Ephesians 3 is so true. With God's power, it's not based on who we are, but it is partnering with him. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the training. I have all these things. But let me tell you, but when God's power works inside of us, when you say, man, here I am, use me. And some of you still had not got to that place. I'm telling you, man, go for it. What, what do you got to lose? Go for it. When God's power is working on us, you can do much, much more than anything we could ask or think of. I would have never thought of tens of thousands of people attending and watching services. 
in person and online, I would have never believed crowds would come. There's no way. That was more than I can imagine, more than I could ever possibly think of. I would have never believed that thousands and thousands and thousands would be baptized. From Frisco campus to Splash Kingdom. All of these different people saying, man, I'm going public. I'm giving my life to Christ. I'm telling the world. I would have never believed that it really would happen. That millions of dollars would be given to solve problems locally and around the world. And if there's one thing I want to remind you, though, in the process of celebrating that and being thankful for that, I'll never forget where it comes from. John 15, 5 says this, I'm the vine and you're the branches. If you stay joined to me and I stay joined to you, then you will produce, what's this say? Lots of fruit, man. What's the key, man? Creativity, being cool, you know, shorts, t-shirts, jeans. No, it's staying joined to him. Being yourself, yes. I'm not like any other preacher in this area. That can be good or that can be bad, depending on who you ask. But here's the point. If you, who you are, your uniqueness, your own personality, if you will stay connected to the all-powerful God, you're going to bear lots of fruit. But don't forget, Justin, and don't forget whoever's watching, whoever's in the room, you can't do anything without me. So what, to, what is today about? What is tonight about? And this is going to blow your mind because it, I didn't really believe it either, but this is true. Everyone watching and everyone in this room, Jesus wants to use you to build his kingdom. You may feel small. You may feel like there's no way God can use me. I can relate. You may feel, I don't have enough education. I don't have enough money. I can relate. But what I want you to remember is that God understands that when we bring these small things to him, he can do some amazing stuff. If you remember the disciples when they walked in and they said, man, there's 5,000 people. How are we going to feed all these people, man? One guy comes up with a kid's lunchable. Hey, man, I got a couple of fish and some, a little bit of bread. And they're like, oh, I'm sure some of us are like, great, man. <laughs> That'll work. God says, Jesus says, God, help me. I'm connected to the power of Jesus. This is us. Let's do it. And what did he do? He fed 5,000 people with a whole lot of nothing. If you go old school, go back to the Old Testament. Remember David walking in, the biggest giant, everybody mouthing off. Come on, man, come on, where's your fighter at? Where's your fighter at? David walks out and he goes, hey, God, I ain't going to let this happen. So he reaches down and finds some small stones. He says, God, not by these stones, not by my power, but by yours, we'll drop this giant. And here's what I've learned. God can use small stuff to make a huge impact. If you'll just say, God, here it is. I'll prove it to you. A little girl by the name of Kinsley sends this in, posts this out. She says, hey, I hear the church is trying to do some stuff. We ain't asking. We ain't got in here. We're not going to do it on Sunday morning. I need you to give. I, need, I mean, I ain't said nothing. But people ain't stupid either. And this little girl said, like, you know what? If the church is trying to do something, she said, I'm going to open up a, a chicken coop. And I'm going to sell the eggs. This is no lie. Look at the next picture. She said, I'm going to sell it. And then I'm going to give all the proceeds to try to help further the church. And you're talking about a kid coming in and saying, hey, I don't have much, but here it is. Tell me God ain't going to bless that. And this is why when I look at my life and I look at where we've gone, I got to believe that I'm not special, that 
all of us have that opportunity. And God brought you here into this church, into this moment, because you're a part of the story. You're part of his story. And although we started small, look at what God has done. And here we are 16 years into it. What's the future hold? I don't know, but I can go old school, old Zechariah 4.10, and it says this, do not despise these small beginnings, right? Because the eyes of the Lord rejoice to see the work begin. We got a lot more work to do. We got a lot more work to do. And the question is, is will you help us? Will you be the one to say, hey, man, this is it. Not sit back, not, okay, man, whatever I'm going to do. Uh-uh, I'm talking about it's time to go, hey, I ain't got much, but I'm bringing it. Whether that's your skills, your talents, your resources, what God, here it is. And who knows what tomorrow could look like. Before I close, I've got to talk a little bit about my dad. Everybody's been so kind, sending the prayers. I couldn't respond to all the texts and everything. If you don't know, last week, me and my brother had the news that my dad was struggling. So he lives in Orange Beach with his wife, Crestlin. And so she said, I think something's going on your dad. I need you to get down here. So me and my brother went down there to find out he did have a brain tumor. Um, but what we didn't know is what kind of brain tumor and what the prognosis was and what that meant. And what we found out was it's a glioblastoma. If you know anything about that, you got four to six months to live maybe a year. This guy's healthy as a horse, can outwork anybody, has no symptoms, had never had anything happen. Woke up one, I talked to him on a Wednesday, totally normal. I talked to him on Thursday. And Creston was like, something's wrong with his voice. They took him to the doctor, and that's how they found it. It was totally out of nowhere. This week, right before all this, right before we're trying to figure everything out, so me and my brother drive down. We spend a couple of days with him. And in that process, I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about that. I am going to share something he shared with me tonight that I just feel like is very appropriate. But here's the lesson that has got me, got my attention. Many of you in this room think you got forever. You're worried about your retirement. My dad was. You're worried about what's going, what you're going to do, and you need to get this done and that done. And any one of us at any given moment can get the same diagnosis just like that. And what I love about my dad is in the midst of all that's going on, of course there's the shock. He's looking at me, and he's like, Justin, explain this to me. I'm like, Dad, he goes, I never had a headache. I never, I'm like, I know, Dad, but this is what they're telling us. We've seen the scans. We know it, it's, I've had at least four or five friends of mine had the same thing, which, by the way, it's supposed to be 1% of people in the world have this. I'm like, how come they all here? That's weird. All right. But anyway, so I'm like, Dad spent most of his life here now. He's finally living down in North, you know, Orange Beach going, hey, I got it, but he can't wrap his head around it. None of us can. The only thing we could figure out in that moment was, is if he is going to die, let's eat. Can I get an amen on that? He was like, hey, man, let's go get some fried fish. And he wanted a chocolate shake. So my brother had gone and get chocolate shake. So he drank his. And he saw mine. as about half done. He said, I'll take yours too. Go ahead and hand that over, you know. <laughs> and in those laughs and in those moments, what we realized is what you do on this side of the planet matters horizontally. Obviously, you got to get it right vertically. And my dad gave his life to Christ a long time ago. He's a very strong believer. But just like Jesus was talking about, man, you can say, I know Jesus, I know God, but if you ain't right with people, 
It just ain't right. And what we're trying to do at the Simple Church, what we're trying to do in our lives is give you an opportunity, all of us an opportunity, to get all this right, to get this right, but to focus on this while we have the opportunity, equally important, so that when we do see him face to face, we go, we hear those words, hey, you did good. So when you take care of people in poverty, so when you meet needs that don't make sense, when you risk it and push all the chips in to say, hey, man, this is our opportunity to maybe prepare for the future because God has blessed us up to this point, but what does tomorrow look like? What does the next 20 years look like, Lord willing? These are all the things that are coming real, and I'm going, all right, God, I get it. So why am I inviting you to come back tonight and hear about the whole boardwalk thing? Is because, man, God timed me. I don't know why it's happening the way it is, but I've got it, God. I'm in it. We're going. we got a lot more work to do. I'm not done. And we need all the help we can get. And if we all work together, a lot of good can happen. And how do you know this, Justin? I have seen it for 16 years. And I've seen God use people like me and like you to do what nobody else thought could be done. And if we're diagnosed tomorrow, if it is over tomorrow, I know and I want you to know that you didn't sit back and retire and just go, well, whatever. No, man, you worked your tail off to get this right, to get this right. And when we get those things right and we begin to solve those problems, man, there's something that happens inside of you that does not happen sitting alone or pulling away. No, God's spirit inside of you begins to change the world around you. We need you. You need us. We need God. Let's do it. And you go, well, why? Last thing. Here's why. My dad's 83 years old. He served in Vietnam. I look back at all the generations that are greater than us. Why were they so much greater? Because they had sacrifice. They gave so that we could have. In the same way, the simple church, it's time for us to sacrifice for the future generations. And here's the hope that I have. If you have teenagers, if you have young people, I believe we got a great future. Because when I see videos like I'm fixing to show you now, and I see what's happening with these girls like Kinsley, I look at all these people that are going, man, I want to do something big. I want to get this right. I want to honor God, but I want to get this right. The world really is a better place. And if you need a little proof, you need a little encouragement today, this ought to put a smile on your face because this is why we're doing it for the next generation. And it is a little old school because watch how this future generation partners with the generations of the past to make it happen. Watch. The residents at Brookdale Senior Living have a wealth of wisdom, but many also have a gap in that knowledge. Most notably, look at all these different things. How do you work this telephone gizmo? Even turn it on. That was hard. Right. My email was not coming in. I don't know where things are. It's just not easy. Help. Tell me how to run it. <laughs> Enter our heroes. A group of computer-savvy Gen Zers who march in once a week to control S the day. But why? A couple years ago, some students here at Canterbury School in Fort Myers, Florida, were joking about how bad their grandparents were at anything technical. But when the laughter faded, one of them was struck with a seriously good idea. Yeah, it's called CLEO. It stands for Computer Literacy Education Outreach. Aaron Smolyar along with friends Christian Lakeese and Derek Hunican, started the Clio Club and tried to partner with Brookdale. 
Yeah, initially we tried emailing, but I think maybe we got like put <laughs> in the spam. Did not use email. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So we, I mean, it's right next door. We literally, it was before we could drive, so we just walked over after school. And they've been volunteering ever since. Okay, then go to photos icon. Jonathan Smith couldn't figure out how to text a picture. Do I poke it? Yeah, you just click it. And that's all there is to it? Yeah, click it. Nancy Kilpatrick wanted to clear out her inbox for the first time. 122,000. Emails? Yes. Fortunately, Nancy learned you don't have to delete them one at a time. Look at that. Look at that. What you, look at that. Oh. For the kids, it's not always easy. I'm getting it. All right. But they keep coming back week after week. I've never had that before. Those young people are just amazing. A great group. They're blessing, you know. And they have so much patience with us. We're on a first-name basis now. <laughs> and those friendships may be the best part. Because eventually the devices go dark. But the conversation continues. <laughs> Proving that as a communication tool, smartphones always work best. Powered off. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Steve Hartman on the road. Come by next week. Oh, I am. In Fort Myers, Florida. Already. Come on, y'all. How cool is that? You heard him say it, Steve. Said, it's not always easy, but it all comes down to solving problems, loving people, meeting people where they are. And when I see videos like this and I see... Images like Kinsley where she's out there doing what she can to try to change the world and honor God. I think, man, we got to do everything we can to set them up, to prepare for the future. Believing that when we make those sacrifices now, that echo continues at a rate that we may never fully understand. But I can look back now and go, God, I'm in. I want to get on that journey and I want to see what the future holds. And I hope you will join us as we follow Jesus and he takes us outside the walls of whatever building we're in to do our best to change the world. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray there's someone here that doesn't know you, that they would surrender to you. Lord, not religion, not a building, not an organization, but to the person of Jesus. And when we do, we would see that you love us, that you're a God that is not distant. You don't reside in a temple. You'll come and live right inside of us. And when you come into our lives, God, you begin to love us at a, at a rate that we can't even wrap our minds around. And that love challenges us to go love others the same way. You tell us we can't even say that we love you if we're not out loving others. So, Lord, let it start with you. Forgive me of my sins. I know I mess up. Come into my life and change me and help me to follow you. Wherever it is that you lead, way beyond the walls of whatever building I'm in. And I pray as we prepare for the future, we will think about the generations that follow us. Is it worth it? I believe it is, God. And I believe that you put all of us together, whether they're watching online or they're in this room for that very purpose, to continue to make an impact for your kingdom. What seems small and insignificant can have the power to change not only lives, but change the world. Help us to never forget that. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.